0: You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 403. You can find information on anything referenced in this week's episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash
1: 403. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. (laughs) Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith.
0: Hey, hey, pod people. Amy here, and today we are going to be furthering our conversation all about manifesting a rich, true, loving relationship in your life. You may call it a soulmate, you may call it a partnership, you may want a relationship, whatever you call it. I think we're all in that same boat where we want connection, we want to be loved by somebody, and a lot of times it is a Faulty belief system that has gotten in our way, something that's told us that we're not lovable, we're uniquely broken, we're flawed in some way. So, today, what I am going to do, I'm going to call up a dear friend of mine, dial an expert, Kira Sabin. She's an amazing colleague and friend of mine for many years now, and she is brilliant in the realm of love and dating relationships. And I'm hoping that I can catch her. She's out in Wisconsin. And I know there's a lot of cheese activity going on right now. So hopefully I can catch her because let me tell you who she is. She's incredible. One part unicorn, one part sweary fairy godmother, and all parts devoted to helping you realize that you are not fucked up, broken, or unlovable. And helping singles get out of their own way to get happiness, love, and a mind-blowingly beautiful relationship where you wake up feeling loved every single day. Who doesn't want that? Of course. And she talks a lot about... Six major mindsets that a lot of people have that lock them into really disempowering perspectives around love and relationships. And this could possibly be you. Now, I know that every time we talk about relationships on this show, it's easy to think that it's only going to be directly applicable to an intimate partnership. That's not the case. A lot of the things that this episode will involve as well, are going to be things that can be applied to all sorts of relationships, friendships, work relationships, familial relationships. And I think it will be really, really empowering. So let me see if I can get her on the phone here in a second. Before I do, I want to make sure that you got the freebies that I shared with you all last week. I did a two-part series specifically with a workbook that can help you navigate some of the ways you might be in your own way as you're embarking on wanting to call love into your life, and an awesome exercise that I do called Soulmate Factory. So if you haven't caught episodes 401 and 402, I highly suggest you do that. And you can use that exact same framework for manifesting damn near anything. So it could be, you know, rich friendships that you're looking to manifest. You can use the exact same framework. Be sure to check that out. And if you are into freebies, please go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. If you have not checked out my free workshop, I highly suggest that you do so. This is Something that I created to give you an understanding of the work that I do in the world. And if you have ever found that you are truly struggling with people-pleasing, perfectionism, you have this chronic doubt of yourself, you talk the most shit to yourself, and overall you ultimately just feel unworthy, unlovable, like you're not enough, you're not deserving, that is my wheelhouse. And the program that I teach called Deep Down and Dirty is designed to completely uproot that belief that you're not enough. And that is what this workshop shares with you. So that's your first item of business. If you're interested in digging deeper and changing that those behavioral patterns of people pleasing, perfectionism, and self-doubt. Please go watch the workshop. At the very end of the workshop, you will see an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team where we can talk about if Deep Down and Dirty is the right program for you, if it's what you're looking for, and if if you're struggling with the things that I can genuinely help you change. So... Check that out. There's going to be lots of goodies in the show notes page, which is thejoyjunkie.com slash 403. And without further ado, let me give a little ring to Kara Sabin.
1: Well, hello there, sailor. Hi, Kira. It's Amy. Amy. Oh my gosh. It's been a while. I'm so glad to hear from you. I'm
0: coming to you with a bit of a favor to request.
1: (sighs) Okay. 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 I'm here.
0: I'm not sure if I, do you have, I don't know, maybe 30 minutes-ish for me to run some stuff by you?
1: I have all the time in the world for you, Amy Smith.
0: Okay. I didn't know if maybe I'd catch you when you were- just knee deep in cheese over there in Wisconsin or
1: absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, cheese is my soulmate. I don't really believe in soulmates, but if I have one, it's cheese. So (gasps)
0: that this is fascinating to me already, both on the cheese and on the soulmate aspect. Okay. So I'm here with the audience and we've been talking a lot about manifesting love and relationships and People have very frequently, and I'm sure they say this to you and Danny, your husband, have said to Mr. Smith and me, how do I get this sort of a relationship? How do I manifest this type of person into my life? So we've been discussing that over the last couple of weeks. And I know that you have specifically six mindsets that people tend to get locked into that completely thwarts their ability to be in lasting and healthy, loving dating relationships.
1: So can
0: we, can we go off on this?
1: I would want to do nothing more than that with you today, Amy.
0: Of all of my colleagues and the people that I know, you have this shit on lockdown.
1: That is like a a super compliment that I will fucking take. (laughs) I've been doing this for 13 years. Yeah. Right. So yeah, like in June was my 13th year. And so when you spend every day obsessively learning and coaching on love, dating and relationships after a while, you really start to see it so much more clearly um, than I think most people do because they're not actually thinking about how do i build great relationships they're still kind of looking for love which is which is one of the mindsets that drives me crazy pants
0: yes so so let's talk about that so one of the mindsets is you are looking for love instead of a relationship so what would somebody like this be thinking about or perceiving love differently than relationship
1: let's go back to where most of us learn a lot of information about what love and and dating and relationships look like which is either our our family, our parents, our caretakers, right, which you may have learned good stuff or not so good stuff, or media. And most of the media stuff is kind of the very, very early beginning stage of of relationships. It's called a romantic phase. It can can be called the honeymoon phase, um, the obsessive love phase. But many people actually think that's what love is is that high, is the chemistry, it's the spark, it's the fireworks. And then when kind of real life and the next stages show up, they're like, ew, well, this isn't love, next. And Mm. what I teach my people is that actually some of the work by Barbara Barbara Fredrickson that I love, she wrote a book called Love 2.0. She like did a deep dive research into what kind of love is now and just really Mm. identifying what love means to us as a society, romantically, personally. And what she teaches that I think is so brilliant is that just like other emotions, like anger or sadness or joy, love is just an emotion, right? Right, And it can come and go very quickly. So instead of looking for love, we have to create relationships where that that feeling of love can come again and again and again and again right? Just because you've quote unquote fall in love doesn't mean that's where you're going to stay forever. Instead, it's about building a relationship where you can bring up love with your partner all the fucking time. And that's what I do every day in my relationship. And I bet that's what you and Mr. Smith do every day. Right. Right. These little ways that you take care of each other's little ways that we feel seen and heard and supported that brings up love in us. Yes. And so so many of us are trying to fall in love like it's a hole, right? right? That we can trip into and then we're just bummed out when we fall out of it. Where I'm basically, you know, spinning this and saying how do you create a really great relationship with someone with someone where love can be a part of every day? Right.
0: I love that. Uh, I that is brilliant. I'm going to have to check out that book. And that's, you know, what you're talking about sort of the, the daily acts of love are, I mean, that's a huge concept that Gottman has publicized if if anybody out, out there has, has never heard of John Gottman and the Gottman Institute he is brilliant in this regard too and one of the reasons why i kind of went okay that's why these daily acts of love that mr smith and i do have been so bonding over so many years And I think he talks about specifically, it's not these lavish getaways. It's not Mm -hmm. having these big vacations. It's what you do day in and day out. And in fact, this reminds me early, early, early on in our relationship, it was probably in the first year or so that we were married. So, you know, 22 years ago. I was very, very attracted to one of my bridesmaids, a female friend of mine. And I felt like for a long time, like I could have, maybe I could have lived happily ever after with her as well. And I was super open and super candid with Mr. Smith about it. We talked about it, of course. Finally, I realized, okay, I need to not nurture that relationship in any way, but I need to do daily acts Of connecting with my husband in order to cultivate that love. And so it became very much an action oriented emotion. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about because it was like whatever I watered grew. And if I severed that relationship with her and stopped wanting to check my email, it was like AOL at the time or whatever, you know, if I stopped doing that and I actually did acts of kindness or words of affirmation or whatever it was to connect with him, it started to grow again. And all of the emotions of of love started to be pervasive in the relationship.
1: And the thing is, is that when people say, oh my gosh, but I'm so attracted to somebody, I'm like, oh, hey, you're attracted to somebody. Thumbs up. Good for you. Does it mean you should have a relationship with them? Does it mean you should like leave what you've been building or doing with someone else? At the end of the day, You and Mr. Smith, as well as Danny and I choose to be together. That's right. Right. I believe that many of us, we could be with many different people. I agree. I believe that there's a lot of people that we could have great relationships with. I choose Danny to be vulnerable with. I choose Danny to show up for every day. I choose Danny to show all of my stuff Mm -hmm. so that we can love each other deeply. And with that love, with that like single emotion, I can trust him. I can be stronger in my daily life. I'm better in my business. I'm a better coach. Like all of those things, because I feel a consistent love that really, I don't know if I ever felt before this.
0: I completely agree with you. I have always kind of subscribed to the idea of like a soul grouping of people. It's not dissimilar to if you go to a conference or you go away to a retreat or something and you meet a friend, a girlfriend that just completely, or it it doesn't have to be gendered, but you just completely feel like you've known them forever. You really vibe on a a spiritual level. You're connected with all your core values. I feel like you can immediately love somebody like that. And I think you can do that platonically in friendships, but I think it can also happen romantically. I think there's a shit ton of different elements that have to be in place and it's not just that lust and immediate attraction and this is something that i think people don't realize is you get married and you're still fucking attracted to other people you don't you don't Absolutely. shut that part down and that's fine that doesn't have to be a threat but to your point I choose Mr. Smith, you choose Danny and they choose yep. us. you know, and that's a very, very different way to be in relationship. Okay. So let's move on to second mindset. Second mindset that you've listed out is you believe that you have to be perfect for love and perfection is the opposite of love.
1: What I mean by this is I feel like one of the things that technology does, especially social media, it does not help us because we keep seeing other people's lives yeah. And comparing ourselves. We see other people's lives or relationships, their kids, their vacations, whatever it is. And so I feel like uh social media in general has really pushed this perfectionism in us. I'm gonna get to the right body, you know, the perfect body. I'm going to, if I'm this, this, and this, then when I'm perfect, that means I will I will get into perfect relationships. Mm-hmm. And I see that happening again and again with my clients either they are trying to be perfect or they're trying to find somebody to be perfect because nobody fucking wants to be hurt right of course. the problem is is that when we are attempting to be perfect um that is the opposite of love perfection doesn't need love love is the way we support each other the way we take care of each other the way we care for each other and if you're perfect and you don't need that that's the opposite of love. So when we are so busy taking care of ourselves, right? Uh, and not like self-care, but just like, I'm okay over here. I'm going to get the best job ever. I'm going to travel, work out and do all of these things. That's just a a little bit of trauma from, from people pleasing, usually a parent, not letting you fail, not letting you learn how to fail. And it's the opposite because the way I, I love this quote: uh, people like us for being nice, people uh, respect us for having our shit together, but people can only love us when we're vulnerable with them. Where Danny and I build our relationship the strongest is the is the tough conversations we have on the couch, right, where one of us is crying. Yes, which happened two fucking day. The where we build it out is not it's not living in Mexico. It's the day to day way that we can be there for each other and that's where love is and when we are attempting to be perfect and never show people our failures our our tough stuff our not so goods we are hiding the parts that they can love and that perfectionism is the opposite of love and you will strive to be perfect and you will push people away in the process because if people don't know how to show up in your life and love you they won't stay
0: and i see that also manifest a lot as criticism you know if you yep. if you are trying to be so perfect and your partner can't load the dishwasher the appropriate way and you have such that tight grip on control or perfectionism then it becomes it it starts coming out as hyper criticism towards the other partner and this is such an interesting distinction i had never really thought about the correlation between perfectionism and our ability to be open for love. But the key element here, I think that you're talking about is that vulnerability piece. It's something I've said for years, decades really about all types of relationships, whether it's intimate partnerships or platonic ones or familial ones, is that your ability to experience intimacy is directly proportional to the amount of vulnerability you're willing to experience. So I see a lot of people, and I'm sure you do too, who are entering into sort of the dating world or wanting to manifest their partner and they're looking at it through the lens of what can I get? What can that person be for me? How are they going to magically make me feel differently instead of what sort of walls do I need to break down? How messy can I be in front of this person? How much can I allow them to actually see me and be and be with my traumas and be with all of that stuff? But we don't do that. We walk straight in with all our walls up and go, you first. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, or no, don't show me your shit because I don't have to show you my shit. We can both be highly emotionally unavailable and then wonder why this never worked out.
0: And it gets blamed on really dumb superficial shit. They weren't tall enough or they're just not that open. And it's like "Mm." so letting go of that as a mindset. Okay. So third mindset is you oh gosh, this one is exactly what we talk about on the show all the time. You may believe that you are broken but most likely you just never learned healthy mindsets and relationship skills. This idea of broken or my picker's broken, I keep picking the wrong one, habits and routines. Talk to me about this mindset.
1: I mean, working with single women, when I start digging in with them, right? So one of the things that I do with the people I work with is I make make them fill out this like 120 questionnaire Mm -hmm. self-knowledge inventory before we even get started. And it just helps me understand patterns and where they may get stuck or where they may, you know, what they kind of think just about love and dating and marriage and all of those things. But where I see a lot of women, especially who are single, just get stuck that they are really attached to this idea that there's something wrong with them, that they are single and they can't find the one or their partner because they are broken. Something's wrong with them. People keep rejecting them. They are unlovable. I mean, there's a lot of just emotional weight that they are carrying around that there's something wrong with them. And in slides, me with like strategies and skills, just going, you just didn't learn this shit. You know, if you walked into a, a science lab and somebody just said, do this experiment, you'd be like, uh, I don't know how to do that. And we wouldn't shame ourselves for it. Mm-hmm. But yet most of us never learned anything about how to build healthy love or relationships. And then when we don't know how to do it, we're like, oh my God, I'm cursed, right? Or there's no one out there for me, or I'm unlovable. And I'm just like, no, you don't know how to set a boundary. So you keep letting people walk all over you or you don't know how to ask for what you need. And so you're not truly showing up in the relationship. And all of those things are just gonna keep you coming back to that single place because you're not setting up for success. I mean, it's just really boring, but true. I just
0: said this to another student of mine that you cannot be attached to the potential. You're not in relationship with potential. You're in relationship with a human who either has things they want to grow and develop about themselves or that they need acceptance about themselves. So you don't, no, 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 no being in relationship with potential. And it's wildly unfair.
1: So first of all, I have a podcast called why dating for potential makes you an asshole. Oh, I love it because, you know, because here's the thing. I think everybody should get to be loved exactly where they are. Right, So you hoping that they're going to get a better job or you know, whatever it is, is bullshit. If for some reason they're doing something that's truly not allowing them to create great relationships, then you're just enabling that behavior by being with them, right? So they're not learning that they need to change that to show up in relationships. So it's just like this pile of like crap that we all just keep doing because we're just hoping that they become this person we, that we want them to become. And then they're rejected because we're not accepting them for the person that they are. And it's just, it's not okay. And then everybody ends up feeling bad. Stop doing that.
0: Where do you delineate between potential and someone who I, like, for example, I always want to be with somebody who has a growth mindset. I don't, I cannot be with somebody who has, who has no problem lying or cheating or voting for Trump or like there you know there's so many things that are incredibly important to me and I I feel like that needs to be really stood for at the very beginning of relationships instead of going maybe I can convince them to have a growth mindset maybe I can convince them to change and have the values that I have
1: what what are your thoughts about that so I actually have a set of questions that I tell each of my ladies To ask after a date. Okay. Right. So the first set of questions is do I see any glaring value differences? Because to me, so many people are like, I'm looking for things in common. And no, it's got to be values. Because if you do not have similar values, you just don't see the world the same. And you are going to be butting up against each other again and again and again. So that's question number one. Number two is, do they break any of my deal breakers? And I describe deal breakers as something that's so fucking important to you, that no matter how cute they are, no matter how great of a kisser they are, no matter whatever, how fun it is to be with them. Like you realize that you can't be with them. That's how important a deal breaker is. So it's not somebody wearing white fucking shoes, right? It's somebody who's like, when you know you want to be a mom and that person is straight up said, I don't have interest in having kids. Know yourself. And this is self-awareness shit, right? Like that I'm sure that you teach. It's stuff that I teach, right? So that's the second question. And the third question is from what I know about them at this time, are they emotionally available and physically available? Mm -hmm. And if you can answer yes to all of those questions, then it's worth a second date. But the problem is, is that because sometimes we don't want to, we don't know ourselves or we've spent our life people pleasing, right. Or a lack of boundaries. And we were scared that if we actually share how we feel or what we think that people will walk away, we don't have these basics in line. And then We're all out there like the blind leading the fucking blind and dating, you know, because everybody's just hoping somebody likes them instead of saying, I'm an incredible person with a lot to give. And I'm going to find somebody who does the same. So if you meet somebody who like what you're describing with the growth mindset, to me, those are also just things that are make them emotionally unavailable. If you can't apologize, that makes you emotionally unavailable. If you cannot express your emotions, that makes you, you know what I mean? Like these are core things that every relationship has to have. And if that person can't do those things. That's not like a hoping for potential. That's like, they're showing you who they are and where they're at. And that's either dateable or not.
0: I kind of look at it like how, how we are with like gluten or dairy or whatever. Right. right. It's like, you don't have to spend all of your energy being furious at gluten. If it doesn't work for your system, you just go, Oh, next. Let me let me get up on some of that flaxseed or whatever. right? So same as if you are engaging with somebody and they there's some red flags or there's a values issue. You don't have to spend all your time going, motherfucker, why is he this way or why is she that way or that's so awful and da, 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 da. you can just go, next, that's doesn't it, work for my system.
1: That emotion that we put about some level of a rejection or something that somebody we liked didn't follow through or come through in the way that we were hoping. That's attachment to fucking stories in our head. That has nothing to do with actual dating. You know, what what I tell my ladies is you are not going to know for months if that person is going to be great for you and can be in a relationship with you. You might start seeing some things eke out earlier, right? Like value differences and stuff like that, but you probably aren't going to know for a while. So, going into a first or second date thinking is this gonna be the one is exactly what's keeping you single yes because that mindset is having you focus on them and what who they, and like what they like and you know what like you said like what can they do for me which is transactional if you're like thinking love is transactional like this is what I'll do for you if this is what you do for me that's not fucking love right that's business right that's different that's incredibly different
0: so and I almost would argue that we could put a seventh mindset here. To what you just said,
1: of oh, we can put a twelve thousand. Probably, yes. Yeah.
0: But I do see that a lot. I see a lot of times where, and it doesn't matter if they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, or fifties or beyond. There's this urgency of if I've made up in my mind that this is what I want in my life, and I want a loving, lasting relationship. It's, it's very difficult to go into that first date without that. Oh my gosh, is this the one? Oh my gosh, is this the one? And one of the things that I tell my, my students all the time is focus on the fucking step that you are on. You are not on that step yet. Keep asking yourself, what step am I on? I'm in the step of, to your point, are there red flags? Are there value differences? Do I want to see this person again? That's the step you're on, the first date. You don't have to worry about the kids and the house and the consolidating finances. And you're not there yet. Okay, so I could go on and on and on.
1: The saddest thing that I think has happened right now is that we have made romantic love like the top love. Yes. And love is love, right? Our our love with our friends love with our family members. And I hate that we have made romantic love above everything Mm -hmm. else build a fucking team like one person is never going to be any everything for you anyway. That's right. So I just I just want to remind people if you're going on dates with that I don't want to say the word desperation, but a fear, right? Fear of like you don't want to be alone, or fear that if you better glom onto this one, or or they're gonna, you know, or you're gonna have no one. All of those fears have a very hard time to turn into love.
0: Yes, that's one of the things that Esther Perel talks about so much, and I know you have a lot of great stories of history and how our concepts around what intimate partnerships should be are relatively fucking new and a lot of pressure on our partner to be all of the things for us that we used to get from an entire community of people. They do want to get through these six mindsets, which are so awesome. And this one really struck me. You don't realize there are multiple stages of relationships and you're getting stuck in stage one or two. Now, is that related to like the honeymoon phase, like getting stuck
1: there? Yes and no. So if you basically have been believing what Either like romance novels or movies for years and years, Disney, all of that kind of stuff taught you. You think that love kind of ends once you get together and all of the butterflies are there, right? We're like, ta-da. And everybody's like, yes, this must be love then. And that's like just step one. So step one is like I like I said, it can be called the obsessive love phase, um, where you're like legitimately obsessed with this person. In our Body starts creating these hormones and chemicals to make you obsessed with this person. Why it's doing that is not some beautiful thing. It's because they want you to procreate so that we can keep our species alive. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like that's why we do it. Not sexy at all, but the absolute truth. So we have this like phase that's anywhere from six months to two years where you just think Every fucking thing they do is like the best thing on earth. And what happens during that phase is because we're so caught up in kind of the magic of that phase is we don't really come with our tough stuff, right? We don't really, we just want it to be perfect all the time and just feel go- good all the time. And just like, you know, having sex all the time and everything else. And then what happens is, boom, we fall into the second stage, which is the power struggle phase, which is some people call like the love hangover, where all of a sudden you're like, oh maybe they're not perfect. Maybe they actually have some stuff that I I really didn't notice when the hormones were like coursing through my veins. And that's where most people are stuck because they haven't built the skills. They don't have the mindsets that like you and I teach and they can't get past that power struggle phase, right? 80 to 90% of couples break up in the power struggle phase. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So most people don't actually make it on to stages three, four, and five. So what happens is, like I said, like you first think that they do, everything that they do is magical, and then we kind of sober up and then it's like nothing they do is magical. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't started teaching that person how to treat you, if you don't know how to, you know, create something deeper than just let's, you know, let's feel good all the time, Mm -hmm. then you are gonna struggle right? And so that's when people like start having kids to save their marriage. And, you know, because if you notice, most people get married in that first two years, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, so they're like riding the high. And then when kind of just the real stages of relationships happen, this is real, this is the way this is everybody goes through these stages, people don't know how to get past that that phase of this is a real human, who is awesome and horrible at the same time with imperfect and problems. And we actually have to learn how to solve those problems together.
0: I was reflecting and I was trying to think, okay, what, what was the journey like for Mr. Smith and myself? I think what you were talking about with the honeymoon phase, we, we definitely had that, but we were diving deep, of course, because, (laughs) because, I don't know any other way to be. So I was splayed wide open. Like, let's talk about all of our shit. Let's work, you know, at 18 years old. And I don't think that that's very common that it is not. So I wonder if, cause there's part of me that still feels like I've been in a honeymoon phase for 24 years with this man. And, and I think it's, Largely due to this vulnerability piece of just constantly being willing to talk about the hard stuff, like you were saying, bawling our eyes out together, being vulnerable, asking for what we need, and from from a really early place. And I don't quite know
1: why or how. Here's the best thing about you and I in this conversation: a, you're a little bit of an enigma, which is amazing. Oh. I met Danny at 41. Right. I'm the person who says. I'm 41. I'm a plus size woman. And I still was able to create a relationship with another imperfect human. Yes. When I wasn't 18, right? Right. Like, and and I think that that's. I think that that's a beautiful thing that we can see that those stages can start at any time. But I'm going to say, so the power struggle phase is really, really tough. Also our attachment styles come back. So that's when like avoidance start to pull away and then anxious start to start to like, don't leave me kind of, kind of thing. But I think that you guys have moved into either the stability stage, which is just where you realize that you know how to fight in a way that both of you win. Yes. Yes. Right. And you are okay. You've realized that you're never going to change that person. Right. And you don't want to anymore. You realize that who they are is okay. Mm -hmm. And that you, you choose them. So to me, you've gotten through that power struggle phase. And I think because you go so deep so early, yeah, you guys were able to, and that's, that's what I teach though. As I teach is like if you can start having those conversations, Mm -hmm. if you have those skills in place, that power struggle phase doesn't have to be what stops. It's just part of that process.
0: And so how many, how many phases are there?
1: Some people think three honeymoon, then power struggle, and then some kind of like a a commitment or stability. What I teach, what I like is a article that has five stages. So stage three is the stability stage. Stage four is the commitment stage, which is I don't need you, but I choose you knowing all I know about you good and bad. And then step five is the bliss and kind of co-creation stage. And this is kind of usually later in life where um, you guys are maybe like giving back to society. You're working on a passion project together. I don't think everybody reaches that stage and it doesn't really matter. You know, and it's, it's, that's the kind of, those are the five stages. But once again, when we think that love is only supposed to be butterflies And sparks and fireworks all the time. You and I have made the, what I'd like to say, very smart choice of not having children. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Add in other humans and finances and everything else. I mean, that's why love can't conquer all. You have to set you and your partner up for the best fucking success possible, right? right. Because it's going to get weird and rough.
0: Well, I will tell people too, like for people who do have children, when they are scribbling all over the walls, You're not like excited about that. You might have the emotion of anger and frustration, but you don't stop loving them. And we don't afford that same breadth of emotional current in our intimate partnerships. We want it to be only the positive spectrum of emotions, only bliss, ecstasy, euphoria. We don't think like, okay, there are going to be times where I'm in a loving relationship where I feel emotions other than love. (laughs) Like your partner just you know, scribbled all over the walls. There are moments like that. And I think that's like,
1: like everything else in life, you can have a great job and still get frustrated or angry sometimes, right? You can have a good or bad relationship with, I mean, it's kind of funny that we hold this romantic love or marriage or long-term relationship up to some kind of fucking like trophy that we hold nothing else in life too. It's so weird to me. It's like, why do we have like our brains on straight about everything else? But when it comes to love, it's just like, oh, that's magic, right? And that's either, it either works or it doesn't. We can do things on a daily basis to get us closer and closer to a loving relationship. Yes, And that work starts with you. Yeah. And people don't want that because they just want to like meet, fall in love and, and have it all work out. But nothing else in life is like that. Nothing, nothing. <laughs> Can you right? imagine? So like how we get there.
0: I want I want to get a degree. Let's just have it fall on my lap. Mm-hmm. No.
1: Yeah, it's I want this business for me to like I mean I feel like you and I put enough time in that we have, should have like fallen into this business by now. <laughs> yeah. And it just works.
0: Right, right. Okay, so these are great. So we've got 4 down, two more to go. Here's the second to last. This is number 5. You are trying to build confidence or self-esteem instead of self-worth and self-compassion. So that's another one of the mindsets that kind of arrests people. So talk to me a little bit about
1: that one. I would talk to people all the time about confidence. Mm -hmm. Not until I really got into positive psychology did I realize the missing piece because people would be like, I like myself and I can list all of these qualities about myself that I like and da, 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 da. And what I realized is that they had worked on building confidence and self-esteem, which are kind of like things or- awards are like, I got the great job or I now have a nice house. But what self-worth is, is knowing that you are deeply lovable and okay. Even when those things are taken away. Right. When I started doing the self-worth portion, which is now like three freaking modules. Cause it's huge. Cause it's yep. what I find like all roads lead to self-worth. If you don't I like agree. yourself, if you don't like yourself, you're going to come back to struggling with all of your relationships again and again and again and again, period. So I had somebody go, I just lost 80 pounds. You know, my self-worth is an all-time high. And I said, I don't want to take that away from you. That's an, that's an awesome success for you. However, self-worth is when you gain that 80 pounds back and you still know you're lovable. Yes. Right. And that's the difference is that self-worth like that you're going to be okay. Yes. Yes even if those things that you have been building are taken away.
0: There is a fellow Gen Xer. You will, you already know this about me, but there's an amazing song by Alanis Morissette called That I Would Be Good. And it is essentially about self-worth. It's that I would be good if I had nothing, that I would be good if I couldn't create or write songs anymore, that I would be good if I lost my hair and my youth, that I would, you know, and it's all these parameters that we go, you know, okay, I'll be happy when, and what we're really saying is I'll be worthy when, I'll be valuable when, and that I completely agree with you, which with as much as I talk about, communication and standing up for you yourself and all of that the internal piece is believing that your voice matters to fucking begin with so i could not agree more on this and this is another one where i think people get lost in the even the societal constructs of what it means to be single or not partnered as a woman right? Like even if we look at the silver Fox or, you know, the debonair bachelor, but then for women, we have the old hag and like, you know, the spinster and the old maid, like what the fuck is that? There's so much of our worthiness that is dependent upon being partnered or not. I'm super optimistic about the younger generations. And I saw this great couple who were best friends, two women, best friends, completely platonic, not in a sexual relationship. And they just decided to get married so that they could raise kids together. They could have their finances together. They could be like this power couple and, but they're not sexually attracted to one another. And I don't even know if they identify as It doesn't matter. But I was like, fuck, yes, that this is the type of re-engineering of our thoughts around marriage, relationships, love, what we're supposed to get from people and spend more energy on our own value and worthiness and take up the fucking space.
1: At the end of the day. Danny is my fucking partner in this, my partner in life. He actually works in my business. We have created a partnership that also includes like love and trust and all these things. And you can create a partnership with lots of people. Yes. Right. So I love that story. And I love anybody who is saying my version of success looks like this Mm -hmm. because you get to fucking choose. There's a lot of weird shit in 2021, but one of the greatest things especially for women, is that you get to decide what success in your life looks like Mm -hmm. or happiness looks like or, or joy looks like. And it doesn't have to look like everybody else's.
0: Yes. And part of that is believing in your own worthiness, your own enoughness, your own value. All right. The sixth and final mindset, you are looking for a relationship that has never existed in history. And we don't know what the fuck we are doing. Okay. So what is this mindset about?
1: We're like stuck in this place of I'm an independent woman, right? As well as, gosh, I wish it was like, you know, I wish that I wish dating was like, it used to be like when my parents and my grandparents and I'm like, no, you don't. You could not even get a fucking bank account. Right. <laughs> you don't want that. Right. You don't want that. And just, you know, and so the thing is, is that I think that people don't understand is My great grandmother was worried about her kids dying before the age one, age of one, not being heard and seen in her relationship. Right. Their expectations were just different. Mm -hmm. Their expectations were survival. For so many centuries, it was just about survival. We are in a place where survival is not as questionable or questioned Mm -hmm. as as much as it used to be. So we get to actually say, I want to build quality relationships, but we've never been in this space before. We keep thinking we need to date like our parents or grandparents, but yet we want something completely different. Mm -hmm. And then add in technology, add in the fact that gender roles are just changing all over the place. Yes. Right. And so it's not this kind of like guarantee. People want it to be easy, but they want it to be easy so they don't get hurt. And you can't be, you can't have love And not sometimes get hurt. Yeah. Even in a relationship, you will get hurt. I did a podcast a long time ago. How do you prevent getting hurt in a relationship? I'm like, you don't. You just assume that people are going to hurt you and you work on yourself and each other enough that it doesn't fucking devastate you.
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I would oftentimes say about Mr. Smith that the same reason that we get to love as intimately and as richly as we do is the same reason why we can destroy each other in a heartbeat. And you know, it's, it's that it's this intimacy vulnerability conversation again. It's yes, there's more risk involved with being vulnerable, but there's also more intimacy available for you. It's up to you how much you're willing to go all in. Right. But just know that there's, an equivalent there between vulnerability and intimacy oh my gosh I feel like I could talk to you forever this is seriously one of my absolute favorite interviews this has been fantastic so I know that there are going to be people out there going fuck well that's me so (laughs) can I get you on speed dial so Tell people where they can find you. How can they get all the deets?
1: My website is the longest website ever known to man. It's league of singles.com. It Seemed like an amazing idea at the time, and I still <laughs> and love it. I, absolutely I know, it. and I and I do too. But it's like typing it in, and I'm always like, "Is that two s's? <laughs> and I forget the u." And I was like, "What was I thinking? You were around, I think, when I created I think that." So. so yeah, so it's great. Uh you can find me there. I've I have not one but two podcasts because I'm ridiculous, as well as courses and retreats. You know that I like to to do retreats. I just finished up my 20-second retreat. Amy and I have done retreats together. Yes. It was some of my favorite times in life. Yes, me too. So and all I want is to convince her to come somewhere again. And, Again with me, but a girl's got a dream.
0: Yeah. You know what? <laughs> I am up for it. Uh, let's, yes. Let's talk
1: more about that for sure. Yeah. And you can find me in all the major social media channels, either at Kira Saban or League of Adventure Singles.
0: And we'll be sure to put all of those links in the show notes as well. So I am so glad I caught you and you had a moment to share.
1: Ooh, well, <laughs> you know, cheese does not like to be ignored. That's right. So <laughs> That's
0: right. What is your
1: favorite cheese, by the way? Oh, wow. Oh wow, this is, this is. I mean, are we talking kind? Are we talking like? I mean,
0: yeah. <laughs> like, let's do. That's a loaded let, question. Let's go hard, harder cheeses. Okay. Not a soft cheese, but not a super hard
1: cheese. Right. So I'm always going to go for something like a bandage cheddar. Okay. And what a bandage cheddar is? It's an aged cheddar that is crumbly and usually has like little crystals in it. Stop. Right? So it's kind of like, a, it almost has a little Parmesan to it, okay. but it's not. Somebody at the farmer's market here in Wisconsin, he's, he makes it from scratch. He's been there for years and he has like a bandage. And he wraps it in bandage and it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. But I but I also love a really good, there's a woman here named uh, Marika and she's won prizes. So has the other guy for making different kinds of Gouda. Oh, okay. So Yeah. So that's really good. I mean... I, I love it all it all has different things I love a goat cheese on a salad uh-huh. I love a mozzarella same on my caprese if there's something happening and there's no cheese I'm like where's the cheese I know
0: never met a cheese I don't like for sure for
1: you know sure. and I know that you liked recently when I shared you can be famous but you'll never be as famous as cheese and I was <laughs> like that's true that keeps us all a little humble you know that's right. it's good that's right <laughs>
0: Oh, my friend, it was so good to catch up with you. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom bombs with the audience. I will catch you later.
1: Thanks. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.
0: Hey guys, Amy again, hoping that you found that episode really fun. I think that was one of my absolute favorite interviews that I've done to date. So uh, lots of goodies again in the show notes. Be sure to check that out at thejoyjunkie.com 403. Next week, we'll be doing our final episode in this series around manifesting your soulmate. I'm going to be talking to a law of attraction expert who is also a hypnotherapist and we're gonna kind of peel back the curtain so to speak around what the big deal is with law of attraction and what manifestation even fucking means so you will definitely want to join us for that so i will see you around these parts next week here is to loving and living your most badass life